shared last week in a message. Sometimes God uses me, and maybe it's my humanity. I don't know. And, and I shared that for so long in ministry, I, I've uh, struggled on Saturday nights and Sunday nights because it seems like uh, our family has gotten so much spiritual warfare on Saturday nights and Sunday nights that sometimes I just I get tired of it so much. And, and uh, I really didn't ask you to pray for me, but I had several people say, uh, I'm going to pray for you on Saturday nights and, and Sunday nights. And I just want to say thank you. I'm, I'm humbled that you would do that. And last night was was peaceful. And so it was a joy to, to, to sense that the prayers have been answered. So uh, I just uh, really appreciate you as a family of faith and remembering us. Uh, because uh, And not just me, any, any pastor or anybody that's doing ministry, just seems like, boy, right before they do ministry or right after they do ministry, there's there's so much warfare. So thank you very much. A couple of months ago, I uh, ran into an old high school friend who I hadn't seen, I don't know, uh, I don't think since high school, which was only a few years ago. And um, we began to talk, and I had an opportunity to share my faith. I wasn't a Christian in, in high school. I was known as the party guy, and I didn't share as I left, I began to process that a little bit, and I realized that uh, at that moment I didn't have the courage and the boldness to share my faith. I recognized that I was more interested in their approval and not feeling rejection or feeling like I was kooky or strange or weird. So I prayed after that. I said, Lord, if you give me another opportunity, if you give, give me the boldness and the courage, I'll, I'll share. I got a call. I'd done a funeral in town for uh, somebody, and somebody had attended that uh, funeral who I didn't know, and they had told their children that I did, did a good job, and, and they wanted to have their children dedicated. And so we met for the first time, and they were obviously uh, not Christian believers, and so I remembered what I had asked or told the Lord that if he would give me another opportunity and he would give me the boldness and the courage, I'd share my faith. And I did. And I left and no pat on the back. I just said, thank you, Lord. Thanks for the opportunity and thanks for the courage and the boldness to be able to share my faith. I've entitled my message today, Christians Need Greater Boldness. Christians need greater boldness. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. And first we ask that you would forgive us when we've been ashamed or, Lord, we've been captured by our human emotions and have not taken the opportunity to share our faith when we had that opportunity. Give us courage and give us boldness. And I pray you'd use me today as we share your good and glorious word to encourage and equip and inspire us as individuals and as a church to make a huge difference in your world today. So thank you, Lord. We ask that you teach us and, and uh, equip us in Jesus' name. Are you bold in sharing your faith? <laughs> and I go, wow, what a way to start a, a message. That's pretty challenging. And, and wow, that's pretty much uh, in my face. Well, I think it's important for me to ask the question, and I think it's important for you to ponder and answer the question. Are you bold in sharing your faith? 
The reality is most Christians would be characterized as timid or fearful in sharing their faith. If you can honestly say and respond that you're really not that bold in sharing your faith, don't feel bad. You seem to fit into the norm. We all seem to, as human beings, or most of us, struggle with this reality. Throughout the Bible, Christians are encouraged to pray for boldness. It doesn't mean that because you're a Christian, you naturally have it. It means that we need to pray for boldness. We as human beings often get caught in that we desire acceptance. We seek to avoid rejection. We don't want to be characterized as weird or fanatical. And so we need supernatural assistance to have boldness and courage to share our faith. So we need to pray. Boldness is desperately needed so that we can adequately share and spread the wonderful message of, of relationship with an abundant life in and salvation through Jesus Christ. My friends, our world is in desperate need of Christians that have courage and boldness to share their faith. Does it matter? How many times we think that everybody's heard the message of Jesus? But that's not true. At least in maybe a a sincere and one-on-one and authentic way. They they may have heard the message of Jesus in, in demanding, critical, looking down group settings. There are people in this world, and like I said, they're all around us. It's not like we have to go to Africa, get on a plane and go 12 hours away. Somewhere along the line, every one of us, every maybe every day, but definitely every week, you and I come across non-believers, non-Christians, who may have never heard the message, or maybe they weren't ready for it six months ago or six years ago when they're, they heard it, but maybe something's gone on in their life, in their, their family, or maybe God just works sovereignly in their life and they're ready to hear it. Does it matter? That they don't know, and you do? That they haven't heard, and you can share, and I can share? Does it matter? Does it? I'd like to invite you to open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses uh, 19 through 24. Hey, we made it! How many of you know this is our last Sunday in Ephesians? Now, don't say hallelujah, amen. We started the first Sunday of April. We spent six months in the book of Ephesians. And it's been my heart and my hope and my prayer that, that uh, this has helped you grow and mature in your faith. And if somewhere along the line you missed one or more of the messages and you want a CD, make sure you sign up or go on our website. Go to www.connectionsfcco.org. Our church administrator is right there. She's my wife. (laughs) Look us up. There's messages online. Today we're going to finish this up. 
Ephesians. And let me just tell you, next week, uh, how many of you know we have an election going on? Does anybody know that? Has that uh, been a secret to anybody coming up in November? Next Sunday, I- I'm going to use this platform to talk a little bit about the election and what's going on in America and some of my convictions. And some of you go, oh, what's that going to be like? Come see. Just come see. And then I'm going to spend uh, most of the time in October to talk about some some uh, end-time situations, things that are going on in our country and our world that the Bible says are characteristic of those living in the last days, whether that's one month or one year or a hundred, but we're living in the last days. I'm going to talk about that, and then I've mentioned to you in November, we're going to, the Lord uh, has shared with me, I think, some real clear uh, thoughts about our vision and our future and where we're going, and I'm really excited to unveil that. Uh, we've been going three years, and I've been praying for five or six months that the Lord would clarify a, a vision so that we could see really what the bullseye was and what God wanted uh, of us in the future. So I'm really excited to share that with you in, in November. But today we're looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. And Paul says, And for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, and that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you may know my affairs and how uh, I am doing in Titicus, uh, beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren. Love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And grace be with you, with all of those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Share a few thoughts or points for us to ponder today. Some nuggets of hopefully truth that will encourage us and equip us and inspire us. Number one, we need to pray for boldness. Do you see that in the last part of verse 18? Paul says, with all perseverance and supplication, which means prayer for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me. He's saying, I want you to pray that I would be filled with supernatural boldness so that I can share my faith as I should. At the very top of the Apostle Paul's priority list was his desire to share his faith to testify to the goodness of God found in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, and the end of our earthly journey, that we would have everlasting life in His name. Is that at the top of my priority list? Is that at the top of your priority list? Is that at the top of our priority list at Connections Church is a deep desire that we would have the boldness and the courage that God gives us to share our faith. You know, he recognized, I think, in this verse that we need to pray for opportunities. See that? And pray for me that utterance may be given to me that I might open my mouth. I believe we need to pray for opportunities. After God gave me an opportunity and I really didn't see it coming and I dropped the ball and I was 
spineless and I was a coward and I didn't take the opportunity that God had given me with an old high school friend. Then I prayed and I said, God, if you give me another opportunity and you give me the boldness and the courage, I'll, I'll open my mouth. And God provided in a way that I didn't see coming an opportunity. I really think this is important for all Christians and all churches and this church that we pray for an opportunity to share our faith. Sometimes that's just not on our radar screen. And I think this passage and what God's doing in my life and in our churches, I think he wants us to pray individually and as a church that God would give us an opportunity to share our faith with somebody who's never heard the message of Jesus that can come through us in a unique and divine and special way. So I think... All Christians need to pray this. I think all churches need to pray this. And I believe that we need to pray this. Will you join me in coming days and weeks and months that God will give us opportunity individually in His church to share our faith? And I wasn't going to do this, but as I was praying this morning, I just want to pause right now and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for each person in here and and for us as a church that you'll Help uh, put this back on the top of our priority list. And I'm, I'm asking, Lord, for us to be given an opportunity that comes from you to share our faith in your son, Jesus Christ. And give us the courage and the boldness that we need with this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Number two, I think we see from Paul, we need to understand our role and responsibility. Do you see it there? First of all, he says, for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Listen, for which I am an ambassador or a representative. Paul understood that being a Christian, a disciple, a follower of Christ, meant that he had a role and a responsibility to be an ambassador, to be a representative I've got a great concern in America, and I've been in the ministry uh, a long time, 37, 38 years. And I'm concerned that we share our faith and we ask people to become Christians so they can gain something from God. How about it switch to instead of getting something from God, we become something for God? Did you hear me? Instead of coming to Christ and being Christians to get something from God, we give our lives to Christ to become something for God. One's very selfish. The other is about servanthood and sacrifice. And I believe in the West, in America, we, we use so much of our platform and our buildings and our messages and our services to to talk about getting things from God rather than being something for God. Friends, we're going to get stuff from God. If we're in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, yes, we're going to gain a lot. Jesus said you'll gain uh, uh, abundant life. But the motivation isn't shouldn't be to get, but to give. Not to get from God, but to be something for God. To be a representative. To be an ambassador. My friends, if you're a Christian, 
I'm going to ask you today to not think about your relationship and what you can get from God, but what you should be for God. We're called to be representatives and ambassadors. If it's not us, who's it going to be? Does it matter? Wow, Jeff, you're pretty much excited and in my face today. Could, you know, I hope the Broncos are winning. Oh, it hadn't started yet. Does it matter? There's an amen. See, I see opportunities when they come my way. Friends, you know this, but let me echo it again. It's important we spend our lives on the right stuff. How many of you know you only have one life? And how many of you know you only have a certain amount of days? And how many of you know that it's passing pretty quickly? Make sure you're spending your life on the right stuff. Paul did. He says, man, I'm an ambassador. I understand. I'm a representative. That's God called me for that, not to get something, but to be something. Three, be real, authentic, and transparent. In verse 21, he says, but that you also may know my affairs. This is the Apostle Paul. Wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I wonder if he went through seminary today or when I went to seminary and and they taught you, people don't want to come to church and and see your humanity. They want you to to look good and talk good and act like you're the best Christian in the world so they can use you as a model and be challenged and encouraged that they can be just like you. No! What in the world were they teaching us at seminary and Bible college? That's not what Paul bought into. He says, I want you to know my affairs. I want to be real. I want to be authentic. I want to be genuine. I want to be transparent. I can guarantee you in a lot of my past ministry, I could have had bigger crowds and bigger churches if I would have listened to those who taught us in seminary and Bible college and faked it. I don't want to fake it. I don't think you want to fake it. I've met many people who don't like pastors in churches because they don't seem real. They don't seem authentic. They don't seem genuine. We look fake. We pretend. They, they see us that we've got our theology all figured out in a box and we call it a denomination or a movement. Or we we have uh, all of our Christian language and lingo all down and all the Christianese and it's all packaged right. And we seem to have all the answers, don't we? Somebody goes through trauma, uh, you know, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called. We have all the answers, a bunch of fakes. You think they're attracted by that? I don't think so. I think they see as fake. Don't get me wrong, and, and I hope this doesn't come across wrong, but I, I asked you, some of you guys the question a, a couple of weeks ago, has God ever let you down or disappointed you? And, you know, in most churches we have to bob our head and say, yes, he, I mean, no, he's never done that. But in the reality of our life, in those times of trauma and asking why, challenges, 
Don't tell me, please, that you haven't ever thought, why, God? And the why question is, God, you let me down. God, you've disappointed me. And if you think that's wrong, have you ever thought about what Jesus said on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you not think that he thought the Father let him down? So if he thought that, instead of being all prim and proper as Christians, maybe we can get real and honest and say, yeah, I've got some why questions that plague me. I do struggle with my faith. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you have ever faced depression, but you sure don't want to tell another Christian that? Oh, by golly, if they knew I was a depressed person, something was wrong, they would criticize my faith. Read the Psalms and see if David wasn't depressed. But not at our church. Not among our group. You know what? I hope this church is never about perfect people. You know what I'm saying? Because I won't fit anymore. I hope our church is about being real and authentic and honest and just saying, you know, I want to know you. I want you to know me. And for you not to reject me and for me not to reject you because we were broken human beings and we got baggage and we can get detoured and we ask why questions. Pray that's always a part of who we are. That we're real and authentic. And then Paul has spent six chapters giving us instruction and encouragement and he's about ready to put uh, his final thoughts on for us. And he focuses on peace and love and grace how many of you know that the final words of, of a relationship are important? Can you think of maybe someone that was passing away? Maybe you were holding their hand and you knew that they were ready to pass from this life to the next. And what you said to them in those final moments was really important. You weren't, you weren't wasting your words at that point. I remember whenever I would leave the visiting my mom and Larry or my dad or somebody, we, you know, you were very uh, concise and, and very intentional on, on saying goodbye in a right way. I was in Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago and kind of second mom, Betty Munson, and, and she's 92. And I don't know, you know, she took in Kathy and I when we moved there in 87 and her and her husband just loved on us. He's passed now. But when I looked, when I looked and when I was driving away in my rental car, I looked at her and 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 I waved and and I said, "I love you, Betty." It was important the final words that I spoke. I didn't wasn't flimping or it's important. You know what I'm saying? How many of you know when you read the last chapter of a book or you watch the very end of a movie or uh, you bring a conclusion to a message? The last things are really important. And Paul said, hey, I've given you six chapters of encouragement and equipment and instructions. And what I'm going to tell you is this. There's three things I want you to focus on. And they're peace and their love and their grace. Do you see it there? Verse 23, peace to the brethren. Just look around for a quick moment. I know that's uncomfortable. Just look around. If there's anything you should want for the people you've just seen is that they'd have peace. 
We don't live in a peaceful world. Actually, I had a time to hang out with Dylan this week, and we talked about the millennial generation. He said something that captured me. He said, my generation is restless. How many of you know that's opposite to peace? Got all the gadgets and the toys and modern technology and the Internet and iPhones and all that stuff. And and he's saying, but we're a restless generation. We need to pray for peace. When you think of each other, when you get out your, your directory and you're praying, oh, what a novel idea. Get out your directory and pray for somebody. Get out your directory and send them a note. And pray for them to have peace. I think it would be an incredible thing if everybody in here would take that challenge and find somebody this week. Get out your, your, uh, your what did I just call it, directory. At this age, I, it kind of goes pretty quick. And even if you don't write anything else, write peace to you. Put a stamp on it, mail it. Wow. What if 90 people got a note saying, I'm praying for you to have peace or peace to you? What an awful thing. There's more we can do as a church. Maybe I need to give you more ideas. Get out the directory. Did I say that? Pray for somebody. Send them a note. Paul says, man, peace to the brethren. He says, of all I've shared with you, it's all important, but I want you to have peace. How many, don't raise your hand, how many of you need peace? I'm raising two hands and two feet. If I had three hands, I'd raise it too. We're a restless generation. Peace. Goes on and says, peace to the brethren, love with faith. Friends, if it's not about love, forget it. I don't care how good looking I am. Well, maybe I do. I don't care how good looking I am. I don't care how much I can do what I do up here. I don't care where we meet. If we don't love each other, and love is not just I love you. It's just don't love in, in word only. Love in deed. And that's just not the pastor's job. I think he said that to me last week. Maybe he's trying to equip the saints for the work of service, the work of ministry. Ephesians 4. Peace, love, and grace. Gosh. Hey, how many of you are perfect in here? Don't Please don't raise your hand. I helped you out there, didn't I? I didn't want you to get embarrassed. We're broken human beings, even as Christians. Oh, no. You know what our pastor said? We need grace. We need to receive grace and we need to give grace. You know what? I'm going to offend you. Not because I want to. Not because that's my motive. It's because I'm a human being and I'm broken. And I'm probably going to do something or say something or not do something or not say something that's going to offend you. May there be grace. And guess what? You're going to do the same thing. I love you, but you're not going to be a perfect congregation. And guess what? I've been in this long enough that sheep bite. And it hurts. Grace, Jeff. Give them grace. Let's give each other grace. You're going to offend each other. We need grace. Paul says what? It's peace and it's love and it's grace. So in the last uh, two or three minutes, and I'm going to go ahead and have the band start coming back this way, just let me give you a quick little overview. 
you weren't here for all the messages or you don't know the book of Ephesians, I'm going to just give you a quick little overview of, I think, what are some of the main points. Number one, understand your identity in Christ. Know and grow in who Jesus Christ says you are. Most every human being, no matter how you paint it up or doll it up or deny it, we're insecure, inferior, broken human beings, even as Christians. And we live our lives out of our wound. You know what? I know, I know you see my wound. I asked four friends recently to say, hey, sh- tell me what you see as my blind spots that I'm not seeing. And guess what? As they were honest with me, faithful are the wounds of a friend, there was, I didn't have the blind spot they were telling me. I know what it is. I just haven't been able to conquer it or let the Lord conquer it, get over it. Jeff, you live out of your insecurity and, and your inferiority and your wound. Jeff, start living out of who he called you to be. And if they don't like you, they don't like you. If they're offended by the way you preach, they won't come back. And Jeff, that's okay. Be who Jesus Christ made you to be. That's what Ephesians is saying. There's no more, no more dolling it up, faking it. Be who you're called to be. It's okay. You're special. You're unique. You're unique. You're important and you're wanted. Two, live a spiritual and upright life. Spiritual maturity. Listen to me. You don't want to know what the definition of spiritual maturity. Those of you who are always asking that and looking for that and striving for that. Spiritual maturity is implementing and applying our theology. How many of you know we know a whole lot? It's just what we don't always apply that. I can tell you, but sometimes I can't live it. Spiritual maturity is that my theology and my truth about God is in alignment with how I'm living out my life. Paul is saying, man, grow. Grow into spiritual maturity. Know who you are in Christ. And just don't believe the right things, but live the right things. Three, guard and fight for unity. The enemy wants to divide and conquer. Let's not let this happen. Let's prioritize unity and forgiveness and fight for it. Hey, guess what? told you I was going to be real. I hear it. And you hear it. We think we're talking to somebody in secret over here and they'll, they, they, you know what, they won't hear it. Nobody else will hear it. How many of you know people talk? And if we're not careful, we're a little side room conversations, me to you, you to me, you to each other, pretty soon they become, because the enemy is not for us, and he's not there. And he wants me to hear the gossip. He wants you to hear the gossip so that we get irritated and we get frustrated and we divide. And then all hell laughs and rejoices. And all heaven weeps because... We didn't understand that. And I'm not saying you can't have opinion and you don't like me and you don't like what I shared or you don't like what we're doing. I'm not talking about that. I'm not taking away personal opinion. I'm saying when that stuff divides, that's the problem. Or guess what? When I look in and I think, gosh, uh, I wish our church was taking out their directory. 
Did I say that before? And would pray for somebody or send somebody else a note. It's not bad that I say, oh, I wish everybody would get all over their directory. That's not the problem. It's that if it starts building a wedge and I start getting frustrated and I share with somebody, gosh, you know, at our church, we don't get out our directories. That's when it's a problem. Paul in Ephesians says, guard your unity because the enemy is going to fight against you. And how many of you know the Bible says in Psalm 133 that where there's unity, that's where the blessing is. That's where God pours out his blessing is where there's unity. So that would only be natural for the enemy to say, I want to create a wedge and disunity. How many of you know if there's ever any disunity in a marriage or a family, if that doesn't eventually get eradicated, it will create division. Same in church. We're human beings. So let's stay together. I'm not perfect. I'm going to blow it. I'm going to mess up. You guys are going to mess up with each other. And guess what? You're not going to be a perfect congregation. Though you're the most wonderful people in the world, you're still human beings. Man, I've gone to preaching today. Because it's the final sermon in Ephesians. Guard our unity. Four, develop healthy relationships. He talks about this in here. God is a relational God, and he wants us to have healthy relationships, but we got to do it his way, not our own way. Whether it be with parents or in marriage or, uh, or towards our kids, Ephesians 5 talks about how to create healthy relationships in families and, and in work environments and in our neighborhoods and in our churches. So he said, man, man do what God says. Do it God's way, and you'll get God's results. And the last but not least, understand and gain the victory in the spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual war, and we can't ignore that. And so let's understand that, and let's be knowledgeable about that so we don't get picked off, and we don't throw in the towel, and we just don't give up on each other and on the church and on God and on pastors and on congregational members. Let's not get detoured because we understand that we're in a spiritual conflict. Paul's saying, really, what he said later on in the Bible. He said, I fought the good fight. He's getting ready to pass from this life and die. And we're all going to be there someday. Hopefully later than sooner. But the point being is I, I want to be able to say what Paul said. I fought the good fight. I didn't throw in the towel. I didn't give in to, to lies and discouragement and depression and deception. That I just gave up on God and I gave up on the church and I gave up on people and I gave up on myself. He said, I fought the good fight. He said, I've kept the faith. And I've finished my course. I want to be able to say that. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Kept the faith. So as we close our service today, let me leave you with a scripture from Proverbs 28, verse 1. It says the righteous, those who are in Christ, are as bold as lions. How many of you know the lions aren't timid and they're not cowardly? They're bold. They're courageous. Christians, we need more boldness. Does it matter? It sure does. Our world desperately needs us to pray for an opportunity and encourage and boldness share our faith with them.
Amen? Let's stand. Share our final song.
You just be ready. Say, God, give me the courage. Give me the boldness. And then share. Amen? God bless you. Have a great day and go Broncos.